I'm having my one. Hello and welcome to this, the 38th episode of the I'm Having My One Board Games podcast. This will be the last ever podcast we record for 2023. We'll obviously be back in the new year because we've got nothing better to do. But keep your eyes peeled over the Christmas period as we will be releasing some of the highlights from earlier in this year. Unfortunately, Neil cannot make it this week, but I'm happy to say that Tom is here. Say hi, Tom. Hello there. On this episode, we'll talk about the Star Wars deck building game that we've just finished playing, chat about what else we've had on the table since our last episode, and to cap it off, we will reveal our personal game of the year for 2023. So, pour yourself a glass of mulled wine, grab a mince pie, sit back and enjoy this episode. We have just played the Star Wars deck building game, released earlier this year and published by Fantasy Flight Games. It's designed by Caleb Grace, who also did Marvel Champions and the Lord of the Rings card game. It's a two-player card game pitting the might of the Empire against the resourcefulness of the Rebels. On a player's turn, they'll play five cards from their hand, giving credits to buy new cards from the market to improve their deck, bring the power of the Force to your side, giving extra in-game bonuses, and using their combat abilities to defeat opponent faction members in the market, giving you a one-off bonus or to directly attack their defense ships and conquer their faction planets. Whoever manages to capture all the planets will not only control the galaxy, but also win the game. Cards and planets will give you extra abilities and powers, so managing how you build your deck is essential in this fast-paced card game. Tom, you've played it a few times now. How are you finding it? I really like this game. I think we've done a lot of deck builders this year. I feel like yeah. 2023 has been a bit of a introductory thing for me in in terms of actual out and out deck builders and i think this is the best one i think so much about you know so many different games we've spoken about it in the past right is the theme and there's just something that's that's very fun um about having all the different star wars stuff yeah uh available to you as part of this one you know what we've done with dominion with the uh, hero realms great you know fairly kind of generic fantasy slash medieval um but this actually having a a really strong theme uh adds adds massively to it and it's one that i'm get, engaged with obviously so um so yeah love it it's uh just pr- i think probably my favorite deck builder that i've played yeah i i agree i i think we're both uh big star wars fans so that has you know a huge kind of impact in there but you know seeing those like when the when the Jabber the Hutt card came out, it's like, oh, who's who's going to get Jabber on their side tonight? And, and it's stuff a really like good that. card as well. It's a really good card, that. Well, it of course it is. It's Jabber. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Sorry. Of course. Um, yeah. So so in, in the deck as well, it's worth noting that there are some generic cards where there's quite a few of them, like Jawas and X-Wings and stuff like that. But also yeah. there's just named named characters i think the 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 main deck is 90 cards so you're not always going to get them out but i feel like you know some of the big names come out with enough regularity to still be exciting Mm -hmm. didn't see darth vader or luke tonight but uh no but there are lots of there's so many characters right we've got han solo out there chewbacca was there for a bit you know there's all all of those um this thing that is you know relatively similar to hero realms we spoke about it when we played that game right that you have these capital ships uh capital ships that you can place in front of your your planet right so we talked about planets being the thing you're trying to kind of uh capture your your opponent's uh set of, of planets and being able to place these as like a de- these capital ships as like a defensive wall in front of them in the same way as what are they called in the just are they just the heroes in hero realms is that how it works yes yeah Ch- i think champ- got the champions or something like that yeah something like that exactly um he's really great you know thematic you've got your your planet and it's you've surrounded it by a, a fleet of ships which is you know protecting it before uh before it gets captured is is great you know that theme bit the, you could, I suppose, if you were that sort of person, get very frustrated by the fact that a stormtrooper can shoot a spaceship. Um, but, you know, it's kind of just extends the imagination a little bit and then you can see, yeah, that's, that's you know, that, that's fine. Um, yeah. It's important not to get too hung up on that bit. But that bit particularly, going back to the capital ships, I think is, is brilliant. Um, I don't know whether it's just because the, you know, thematically 
the uh the empire ships tend to be a bit more powerful than the the rebel ships whether it was just the cards that we got out in the deck it felt like the ships that you had had really were really strong like the the um star destroyers that you had like seven damage on them right yeah i think i think the deck is weighted slightly in favor of the empire i think it's harder to win with mm. the uh, with the rebels but then i think that it brings us on nicely to this kind of force tracker that goes on so mm-hmm. to to kind of offset that the rebels start with the force being with them so as you play along there's a sort of a little almost ladder where you move a little white cube representing the force towards different players and there are bonuses to be had with that so tom why don't you explain the the sort of force bonuses you can get yeah really simple uh addition to make sure that that part of the star wars universe is in there that when you are either extreme of it nice and simple you just get a plus one money to your your resources to be able to buy from the market you know it's such a big part of deck building right is being able to add to your deck building your deck if you will <laughs> um and so the the more resources to be able to do that however there are lots of uh other uh, uh, uh things that you can do with that if the in my case the um the rebels there were things like if the force is with you be able to do something a little bit more so on your card you've got your default attack values or it's got a, a, a monetary value on it. Uh, on that card text, it will have something extra that you can do with it that will be like, um, you know, force your opponent to discard a card. But if the force is with you, that is at random. So they don't get to pick which card it is. And so there's lots of little things like that, you know, pick up another card, be able to exile to, you know, remove it from the, the game. Um, so it, it's a nice kind of extra little sub game within the game to kind of keep your eye on on what's going on with that because it it can be a real a real advantage i think and and these games i think can be pretty tight i've only played it three times and my sense is that the games can be be reasonably close and so little margins like that that the force will give you um is not only nicely thematic it's um it's an important part of the game as well so the other addition to this over some of the other deck builders I like is the fact that in in all the other ones I've played, what's in the market is kind of fair game for everyone. However, there are neutral cards that can be bought by both sides, but then you've got faction-specific cards that only the Rebels and only the Empire can buy. Yeah, you're right. This this that I hadn't really thought about that, but that is a unique thing that I've seen in, in this game. Um, that is also really cool, right? So you have the, you know, your your Lando Calrissians or your Jabba the Huts that will swing either way, as it were. There are other cards that are focused on rebels or or Imperial, and you can also on some of those make a decision to destroy those. So obviously your primary thing is to try and capture your opponent's base by maybe destroying the capital ships that are protecting it or or, or uh, causing damage to the base, as we were talking about. But actually, they're also within that. If they are their ships, I guess it, it must always be. You have the option from those market cards that are uh, aligned with your opponent. You can choose to destroy those, and you get then some little bonus that you know was like get some more money or uh, be able to move the that force marker back towards you or something like that. Which again, sort of within this the basics of a, a deck builder that very familiar you know done done a hundred times no doubt they have added some great little things in there so i think perhaps even if you're not the most into the star wars theme or even if you are you know you're not just getting a deck builder here it's a a deck builder where they've tried to do something extra and i think you've got to really respect that right from uh from fantasy flight uh the, the producer of the game is they haven't just gone and bashed out another uh, Star Wars game. They've got the license and they've got so much content on this. They haven't just just done another one. They've done something that is actually really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's those little tweaks, isn't it? Like being able to attack or only buy certain cards from the market, having the little force track and things like that. It fits in so well with the theme of the game. Right. But these are kind of unique additions to that kind of deck building genre that I've not seen before. And, and it, and it just... sort of adds to the decisions, right? I think, and that's that's the the difference. Like, 
some you know, a little bit about hero realms it was like okay it's kind of luck luck of the cards i'm getting out and you know then i'm gonna like play these and plays and my decision really are and even where deck building is within other games it's about what you are adding to the deck right that's your decision what what am i building what's my strategy am i adding green cards am i adding uh red cards or, or whatever what what combo is going to get but within this game having those extra decision points in there about do i spend this on just my normal deck building things market and causing damage or do i you know try and change up what's in the market through destroying my opponent's cards do i put my resources into um the uh the force tracker to be able to to move that a bit my way even if it just moves it a little bit towards me to stop you being able to to get the extra bonus all of that just makes it a much richer game for me um and you know i guess there's nothing wrong with the deck builder it's just don't 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 you know cards 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 but having these kind of things in the game just elevates it in my opinion and you know just just makes it that much better I completely agree. And and yet it's still a 30-minute game. So it's brilliant mm-hmm. for that kind of filler type option. You know, especially if on a games night you're waiting for other people to arrive, you can, you know, crack one of those out. And if if people have turned up, then they're not going to be waiting around for ages. You can finish that game. But it is also that is based on the the number of planets you put in, yes. right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So that's another really good thing about it. You get a total of 10 planets. And you can then sort of vary how long the game is going to take by how many planets you do. So so we played with five planets tonight, which worked quite nicely. Um, and I think, as I mentioned to you at the start of the evening, my only criticism with playing the 10-planet game is usually by the time someone's taken seven or eight planets, their, their deck has kind of swung enough, or at least in my experience, one way where you kind of, you, you already can see the outcome of the game. So is the game intended to be played as 10 or or does it say in the rules, you know, do five, play in half an hour? Yeah, it's, it's sort of, well, I think the game is intended to be played with 10, but the rules are very, very, you know, sort of open of just pick however many you want. Um, you know, I think I've not tried this, but I think there's options for even like drafting your planets or potentially oh, right. okay. come in because... Uh, when we played tonight, my we we picked all the planets randomly, but my last planet was the Death Star, which gave me huge bonuses to removing your capital ships. Yeah. Um, and so the way that worked is essentially rather than using your credits to buy something from the market deck, you spend your, your credits to power up the Death Star to blow up a, a ship. Um, which at that stage of the game was absolutely amazing for you because you had so much... Um, in your in your deck, there's so many cards that gave you money. So it was just a, a simple, you know, just going to cause a load more damage, right? Yeah, and I think if I hadn't have pulled out the Death Star as my last planet, I think you'd have probably taken that game. Um, you know, it felt it felt very close going into it. Yeah, which is great. Um, I notice it does say that it plays in in 30 minutes on BGG. Presumably, the actual game will say, you know, like you could not do 10 planets planets you'd have to play so quickly to do 10 planets and a half an hour presumably it's like a you know 30 minutes to 36 minutes 30 to 60 minutes if you are playing the full 10 yeah i yeah possibly i think potentially no more than actually 45 minutes i think the the other thing that slowed us down is something we've talked about loads on this podcast is we were playing over tts and there's something about playing card games on tts that can be a bit clunky and and drags out a little bit so yeah i play this game i would say most weeks with my daughter she absolutely loves playing oh really yeah. i hadn't realized you played it that much great yeah so um i don't feel so bad to have lost by just like <laughs> five points or something um so so we play this game a lot she really loves it and and i think you get to that point of once you know the cards and and stuff like that that Yes, you might need to make some decisions about where you're going to spend your attack points and and things, but but you you naturally speed up as you play. Yeah, well, you get to know the deck. That's the other yeah. thing is you get to know the cards. So I was doing a bit of okay. What does this do? What's that do? You kind of just know it a little bit more. And and when it's in your hand, it's a bit easy to read as well, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of don't know why you wouldn't always play this as as that kind of thirty minute five 
five bases each, uh, planet spaces, whatever they're called, um, each version, because of the other issue to do with deck builders that we have talked about previously, that that in some ways I think is actually even more the case here, where you know it's the counterpoint, right, to having those cards that are in the market that are neutral or leading towards the Empire or the Rebels, is that just by the nature of the beast, right, is that you could get unlucky and one side get much better cards out than um, than the other. Right. So you, you're just not going to get through that whole deck. So it could be that you're playing that as uh, as the Empire and just loads and loads of rebel stuff comes out. Uh, and so that would feel like a little bit of an uphill struggle. So, you know, thinking about the type of game that, and, and if it is prone to that kind of things, we, we generally would say we're OK with that. If it's a because, you know, you accept it's luck of the draw that you play it in half an hour. And if it does go badly, maybe it's over in 25 minutes, you just deal up and have another go. Right. Yeah. And if you're playing it for 45 minutes, maybe longer, I'm not sure you'd necessarily want to do that. No, I think you're right. Um, I found most games can be fairly balanced. There are times it just goes against you. But, yeah, as we've said, that's the nature of any deck building game. It can, you know, it can hinder you in those those things if you don't get the cards. But, again, another positive for this is, I think, through planets and other card abilities, there's a lot of things out there that allow you to either exile cards from your hand and there's actually a few cards that allow you to move the market deck through and again so i think because they are included even if you maybe hit a barrier early on actually you can kind of overcome that and swing it around by getting rid of some of their cards um but also don't forget there's that big bonus of if you destroy their cards in the market deck you get those one-time bonuses which might be extra attack or extra money and things like that if the game is clogged up with cards that you don't want, because that can happen in hero realms. If you're trying to build a two color faction and then you're not getting any of those out. Right. Right. Yeah, sure. Whereas I think star Wars kind of fixes that by having the, the attack option. Yeah. As someone that enjoys deck building games, either for their own merit, such as hero realms, star realms, dominion, and on a slight tangent, dominion have released an app. And I've spent a lot of time on that. It's very well done. Um, incredibly hard to beat the AI, but I guess that becomes quite quite rewarding if you do manage it. Um, That's what you need to do ahead of your next tor- uh, UK Games Expo tournament. It's just <laughs> go in having beaten the the uh, the AI. Yeah, the AI. Yeah, and then other games such as Clank, which are games that use deck building as part of the adventure. Yeah. For a pure deck building, I think there's there's nothing better on the market that I'm aware of um, than this Star Wars game. I'm really keen to explore deck building some more, though. I know there are other games out there, or I assume there are, uh, that have it as a as a mechanic. It's uh, you know getting into <laughs> the second half of this a little bit, but it is one of the things that I've really enjoyed in gaming so far this year is getting into deck builders much more i before this year had not played any at all really apart from you know within other games but to to play now i think three different at least three different um deck out now deck building games um has been great and so it's uh, it's a genre much keen uh, or keen uh, much keener to explore i actually like card games paul i like card games now you were so exciting for a while um, uh, well, it's just a, I don't know why. Just a silly person. I, I think it can be difficult, though, because sometimes, actually, you look at a deck building game and you think, well, what really is there to that? Like, well, okay, there's some cards, and then I buy some cards, and then we play yeah. some. That's no board. There's no board. There's no board. There's no, there's no pieces. <laughs> exactly. Where's my little X-Wing? <laughs> I think it's really good just to have these quick-to-play fairly simple game and because they all kind of follow the same sort of pattern actually once you've got your head around one deck builder you can kind of pick up the others as you go yeah yeah they all you know having played hero realms um this is very close to hero realms in some ways i think as we we may have mentioned before uh in in the mechanics but it's it's largely the same thing um throughout i guess it's one of the, the the appealing things about deck builders is they are all relatively straightforward i think in in terms of the way in which they uh, they're played yeah 
Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So on to scores. What are you giving it on the scores? Well, do you know what? I have a score written down here, but I'm just going to very quickly have a look what I rated Dominion. Yeah, okay. And what I rated Hero Realms as the other two uh, games that are kind of about here. Yeah, okay. No, I'm, I'm on board with this. And so I've given this an eight. I think this is a really great game. I would own this game straight away if I thought there's somebody, you know, in the household that I'm currently in. Um, that makes it sound like I'm going to change households <laughs> <laughs> to find somebody who will play this game with me. Uh, no, if if anyone in my house was really interested in Star Wars, then I think we'd uh, I'd already own this game. Uh, Neil owns it as well, so that's a another thing. So we could we could play at some point. Really good game, love it. Eight straight eight. Do you know what? That's not enough. I'm going to uprate that. I'm going to oh, uprate that one. Well, live. I was just think live live uprating. Can you believe it? Are you having a one on your score? I am. I'm just sort of thinking about it. It's just saying that I love it and then giving it an, an eight is not, not good enough, is it? I'm going to give it an 8.5 because I think that sort of puts it on a level with games such as like Wingspan and stuff, which yeah. um, I... This is a very, very different game to Wingspan, obviously, but I think this is a game that I would as happily play as I would Wingspan. Yeah. Uh, well, I... In my BGG listing, I gave Star Realms, which I own and love, 8.5. And it is better than that. Um, I am going to go for (laughs) 8.7. So I think that works out nicely for us. Very good. Very good. Well, this is it. The more games that we review and talk about, um, the the more decimals we're going to have to start introducing. I know in, in, you know, however many years' time we'll be trawling through a load of games that we've played and then be like, right, okay, well, I gave that a 8.437 and that was a... <laughs> yeah, completely. Okay. Uh, well, so that was the Star Wars deck builder game. If you enjoy deck builders or you've never played them before, it's a great way to get going because the rules are simple. It's so quick to pick up. But on top of that, I think of all the ones out there, I don't think there's a better one. And if you're a Star Wars fan, then it's going to tick all the boxes for you. Check it out. Find a copy in your local game store and give it a go. So we've not had our on the table section for the last couple of episodes. So let's dive in and see what we've been playing in these last few weeks. Tom, what have you had on the table? Gosh, so much. The last few weeks... um... Uh, I've just been incredible. Obviously, doing a load on Rally the Troops, Ooh. as always, as we've been speaking about recently, uh, quite a lot. But some some real highlights um, for me as well in, uh, first of all, being able to get a game of Hegemony. So Neil and I played that, which is the full title, Hegemony, Lead Your Class to Victory, which is the one that we talked about a little bit around the, at the Games Expo. Neil had been talking about it uh, as well. Um, and... This is a really smart game. It's one that I looked at um, during crowdfunding. It's the the game where you are uh, playing a set of, uh, or, or sorry, one one of a set of political classes. There's a capitalist class, working class. There's the state, um, and then there's a middle class. And Neil and I actually just played it as two player, where I was the working class and he was the capitalist. Um, Loads of really, really interesting mechanics in this. Um, a little bit like we are just talking about in terms of the Star Wars deck building game uh, in a, a sense of kind of the decision options that you've, you've got. Is that, uh, and these are the kind of things I do love, is the, the choices that you can make of do you just play the cards that you want to play that allow you to do things like employ your workers and uh, or, you know, get more workers, place your workers, uh, get money, build services, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, kind of being involved in running a society. Or do you try and engage kind of politically to sway votes going your way, which or, or like almost feels like a waste of the resources that you've got, but actually when you're doing it, it's going to help you on future turns. So the timing of doing that and, and planning it out when you've got enough influence to be able to do everything, you know, it's worth a longer conversation at some point. Um, but that that was a real eye-opener, really, really smart game uh, and enjoyed playing it. We've also started a, a little campaign of Undaunted Sargrad, you and I, right, which has been cool. 
following our previous conversation about the Undaunted series, we've uh, we've been playing. We played a first first mission of that, and uh, you know, so good that game. <laughs> oh, it's 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 really clever. Yeah. Really clever. I like. I really like the way that you know your choices in one really affect you know what happens in the the next game. And in that first one, I started off strong, but then you were absolutely battering me to the point I kind of just had to give up. Which is which is part of the game. You are allowed to surrender mm-hmm. a, a mission because um, otherwise, I think you know I'd have just been so stuffed for for the rest of the campaign. Right, and but and this is just why this game is so good that it you know you've got those um, decisions that you need to make as you're going through it. I'm all about decisions tonight for some reason, but uh, decisions that you make as you're going through of at what point do I call this so I'm not knackering my squads up? Uh, and yes, I won that, but I, you and I both suffered the same number of casualties. And actually, I think from the upgrading squad stuff that you do afterwards, you actually did a little bit better than me. So. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. We also, because you and I got got together. Um, you know, God, I've done so much gaming since we last talked about this. But we got together and um, had a Friday night of playing Crusader Rex all the way through, which was fantastic. Um, to 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 give that a go, we played it so much on on Rally of the Troops, and we'd had that sort of two thirds or maybe half game um, back in in the spring. So to be able to play that all the way through uh, was really, really cool. Then one, you know, maybe just spend, spend a few more minutes. We talk so much about the block war games. Just talk about Fighters of the Pacific. So Fighters of the Pacific was a uh, a game that I picked up at the expo almost sort of last minute um, at the Ares games stand. And, you know, we, we have talked about uh, Undaunted Battle of Britain and what that does. And so this is kind of you know it, it's air war it's set in the pacific this time and it, it looked that on the surf no, on the surface of it i thought oh gosh this looks a bit more complicated it is for example doing this thing that undaunted didn't um get involved in which is adding altitude to this so you've got two levels of altitude you can either be high uh altitude or low altitude and this was really smart, right? It was quite simple. We played the the first, the introductory scenario, I guess, where it was just, you know, later on you get, you know, play, uh, sort of ships that you can bomb and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but this was just mass, I don't know, I think we had about 12, 16 maybe uh, planes each. Huge amount to keep track of, but just planes v planes, so fairly, fairly straightforward. And the... The outmaneuvering each other and how you kind of kept, tried to keep your formations together was was, was brilliant, right? Oh, it, absolutely fantastic game. I mean, I was kind of worried at first that there wouldn't be a huge amount to it because there's no cards, there's no dice. It's just no. here's a load of cardboard planes that are either up high or not quite as high as they were. And you move them around and try and keep them in squadrons. And after the first couple of turns, I was feeling really smug as I was sat there with my two squadrons nicely lined up and you know i was moving one into a different squadron and it was all going well by the end of the game it was utter chaos <laughs> trying to <laughs> i am not a master tactician as i think we all know <clears throat> and trying to keep track of right if i move that plane now then it's not going to be in position here or yeah whatever it might be such a simple way of doing it absolutely brilliant and, and you just you make mistakes all the time, right? That's part of that because you just can't keep it all in your head. I didn't even know you'd pick that game up. You snuck that one under the radar, even from us. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really good one. And the the thing that pleases me most about it is that you have your uh, your little planes that some planes can take up to two damage, um, and they have uh, these little like smoke uh symbol bit of cardboard that come out of that this is something so satisfying about having a plane flying around that's got this sort of trail of smoke from this little cardboard thing coming out of the back it just looks looks awesome and how much did you pay for the game 45 something like that which do you know i think for for what's in that box 45 is fantastic and for the strategy a lot yeah you know i mean it's the sort of game you could have seen coming out on Kickstarter where every plane was a mini and it was, you know, 160 quid just for the base set. Yeah. But they've kept it really simple with these cardboard tokens. Yeah. 
but the printing's great the artwork's lovely you know it, it's all done to a very high quality but you don't need anything more i think than just this as you say no. this little plane with a little bit of smoke i guess my only criticism would be is there's a couple of times where kind of planes can be on the same hex can't they yeah and it's at different altitudes yes yeah and then it especially with bits of smoke coming out of one and stuff it for my fat fingers (laughs) when everything was on the same hex maybe it became felt a little bit cluttered but i guess as well that kind of really simulates the the chaos that was the dog fighting wasn't it yeah 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 and you know, there's a whole other bit of it where you know you're trying to manage all of that, and, and then at the same time do some sort of bombing run. Um, how that all shakes out, we'll, we'll see. There is another version, uh, Fighters of Europe, which was on Kickstarter last year, I think. Um, so probably available uh, next year, I would imagine. Uh, so one you you might want to look out for. Um, I'll maybe mention just two others. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the the witcher old world so uh with the the wednesday night group we've played that through so this was the game um that set sort of uh, you know if you think netflix tv show and witcher 3 um it's set several hundred years before that um on the 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 continent i think it calls it and there's different schools of witcher and you kind of go around and you know it's not for me it's not the best game in the world the most exciting one but it was still really enjoyable the actually four of us then you know, when we finished the game it was actually only three of us were able to to finish it um had a really good time of kind of just having a kind of fairly easy think of it as kind of one shot uh adventure game where you've got a character you go around you you upskill them um as quickly as you can you can fight other witches you can gamble to get to get money um and most importantly then you go around to to kill monsters you know the witcher thing of, of killing killing beasties um and you do these fights and they've got this this really quite good that i haven't seen before it may be elsewhere but i haven't seen it um card mechanic of uh, again a little bit deck building where you you build your deck to have combos and it's a big thing we sort of took away from it is we thought oh do you know what if we were playing this well we would have been sort of planning that out all the way through um that is done through the cards that you have would be a certain suit color you know purple for example but it would um then have tags on it of blue yellow or red um, or green i think it is maybe um that you then can uh, link that card to another card so you've got your first card and it's got a tag and you're able to then have a let's say it was a green and i've got a green card i can put that on and then if that green card also then has a tag on it to a red i can then play the red on top of that and so on and so forth you keep doing it as many times as, as you can that you are simulating that very video game style uh combo mechanic that causes the most damage uh against against your opponents really clever very simple um that, that's great the final one i mentioned so much could talk about the final <laughs> one mentioned is far in the late partly because we can both talk about it is this was our long anticipated game with um our friend f- through the podcast steve uh kindly hosted us over at his place and we we had our our first full proper game of the coin series um far in the lake i've been watching on for five minutes paul so what, what do you think of us? Well, before we get into the game itself, it's worth saying a big thank you to Steve for just oh, being yeah. an amazing host. I mean, he's got... Yeah, he was incredible. Such a great space to play games. He's got this whopping great board games table that he's built himself, which was yeah. fantastic. His son, Will, was there who joined us. Um, yeah. So from a hosting point of view, thank you very much. Big shout out. We look forward to future games at yours. Fire in the Lake we've we've spoken about it before it was our first as you say full playthrough mm. what was it about five hours we probably took it was yeah it was what did take a little bit longer than i was anticipating but you know i think sort of new players and stuff like that i mean it was still mm. quite a, a long game but this this fantastic push and pull element and we've been playing a lot of andean abyss recently we've obviously had games of cuba libra but i don't know whether it's 
just the theme and the setting, but I really enjoyed Fire in the Lake. Kind of that that theming, the way it looks on the table, you know, the way you you manage your your resources. And I have to say, you know, playing as the the Viet Cong, your resources are really limited. You know, you got to be be very careful with how you're spending things and how you're managing them. Well, it's always the way in all of those coin games, right? When you're playing as one of the insurgents, unless something goes very well for you, resources are so tight. And so the way in which you do it, although things, you know, from from my point of view, myself and Steve were playing as the um <laughs> uh the South Vietnamese and the US respectively. We kind of felt that uh, or certainly I did that we'd have turns where we just wipe the Viet Cong off half of uh, South uh, Vietnam. A couple of turns later, pop, they're all just back again. So yes, the resources were tight, but it was so cheap for you to be able to do stuff compared to how much it cost us resources-wise, um, particularly when Steve was absolutely burning through my resources doing all his bombing campaigns all, all, yeah. all the way through. <laughs> so, so there's that brilliant bit in that particular game where you actually have, you get loads of resources, but but you two have to share those resources. Yeah. And then he took that kind of just past the midway point in the game of, well, I'm I'm going to win this, so I'm just going to spend all of the resources for myself and I'm not going to leave you with anything, which was a tactic that worked absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, uh, not perfect for, for what I had planned. Then he left me about five resources after he'd finished doing all that uh, <laughs> from having about 30 or 40 odd. But, um, but... You know, it was a shared victory, shared victory, sort of. Um, oh, and also, Steve Steve walked off because uh, he had to go and um, sort the the dogs out in the last ten minutes. Unfortunately, so I I, I helped out on that last ten minutes. So let's <laughs> let's still still claim that as a win. I think more or less. But it was brilliant. I think I think that um, Steve it, it, it perhaps wasn't uh, a game that he jumped to play again. But I think he enjoyed it, and I think Will um, had a good time with it as well. I think i still want to play falling sky the the roman once more yeah. but i think i think that is my favorite of the coin games at the moment um albeit being a very very long game just just it's just so many interesting elements to it and the the, the changing board i think this is the thing that i find the most exciting about uh, the coin games but but that one particularly is the the chaos I don't always love in games, but in this one, just the how that board state can change from one turn to the next, yeah. and the 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 impact of the different cards and the player order coming through, just brilliant, really, really, really good. Uh, I I don't know when I'm going, we're going to be able to get another four player game of it, but uh, you know, it, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, I I don't know either. It would be great to play. I think the only the only other one on my list is Pendragon, which uh, hopefully is looking for a restock in the new year. So uh... mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really interested about that one because it's just got so many um, kind of different elements to it, as I understand. You know, introducing these uh, Roman forts. I think they are post Roman forts, and um, and there's some combat in there as well, which is not exactly like. A lot of the other, you know, a lot of the not quite true, but quite a few of the uh, other coin games have. Uh, it's not quite deterministic, where it's just like you attack, you kill two. There's sometimes some dice rolls in there, um, but Pendragon, I think, and also Liberty or Death, which is another one I have about the American Revolution, does interest uh, me to play that too. Um, they both of those do have this sort of more kind of fighty you know you're, you're, you're doing an actual fight um which which will be cool to get to get to the table at some point may, maybe it'd be unfair to not mention as well really quickly republic of rome maybe we won't talk about it a huge amount here but we did also play um that game uh, that we mentioned a few times as well fascinating uh subjects this of kind of being different um factions of senators in in the in the roman republic uh, and having to deal with all of the um the different problems that that arise um i think i would probably need to play it again to get my head around properly what we were doing um and maybe after 5 hours of coin my my brain wasn't quite <laughs> up to it um yeah. but it's clearly a good game there um steve um was was a great uh, uh host of that game um so yeah um, I, I very much enjoyed the game but it was <clears throat> yeah i think trying to get your head around because 
you're working cooperatively uh, and i guess it, it simulates kind of how the power structures were going in rome at the time but you're working cooperatively so rome doesn't fall yet mm. you're still trying to work for your best interests and trying to build yourself up <clears throat> but but there's that fine balance isn't there of not not building yourself up too much because then just everyone will turn on you yeah yeah you yeah, yeah. kind of just sit there quietly in the background biding your time and yeah i mean i didn't quite get some of that um but I would no, be- I think, yeah, same. Some of the nuance of that kind of escape, I just didn't quite understand enough of what I was doing, unfortunately, but yeah. But I think it's one of those games, like a lot of them, that assuming it's not too long before you play it again, I think I've got my head around what, what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So that when you then play it again, hopefully you, you know, you'll kick off and, and be in a better position. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple more into the mix. Um I've been playing uh, a couple more missions of Legends of Andor with the kids. Oh, yeah, nice. Game that came out before the Robin Hood game that we like. Mm. It's really like ramped up the difficulty, which has been great, but I think the way the missions work, it's, it's a lot more combat heavy, mm-hmm. but there's this fantastic mechanic where you're against a time track, but every time you kill something, actually you progress your time track further. So you can't okay. just run around killing everything because you'll run out of time mm. so it's that balance of trying to complete your quests and some of them you know the way it works is the map is split into loads of little areas and you only get seven hours of daylight as in seven actions and each movement is an action and so sometimes if you've got a quest that's over the other side of the map you're there trying to defend your castle but you've got to get that balance of getting over to the other side of the map to you know, complete your quest and then get back before the castle's overrun by too many monsters. And uh, right. yeah, re- really enjoying that at the moment. So that's we have t- talked about this a little bit before. There are loads of expansions. To this, do you think you go down that route once you've you've done done this? I think possibly, but um, Kyra especially is keen to play the expansion for Robin Hood, uh, Fried Tuck, something or other, yeah. Fried Tuck in Danger. Uh, and I think there are some other games out there. So I think I'll hang on to the game for a while, but I probably won't get an expansion just yet because I'd like to try purely. It's a pure time thing. If I had all the time in the world to play board games and, you know, wow, what a wonderful world that would be to live in. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd be picking up an expansion now, but I think, you know, as someone that likes to keep his uh, shelf of shame fairly narrow, that's already stocking up and uh i've just got back off of you the lord of the rings which has got the shadowed paths expansion and i really want to play that so there's there's a few different things that that i need to be uh not need to be but would love to be playing so yes i think i will look at some of the andor expansions but maybe in the future um and then the the final game is a little card game um that joe got elijah for his birthday called yes yes yeti mm-hmm. okay a really simple game on bgg it scores 5.9 now what i would say is the bgg ratings are generally good but anything that's kind of child or family oriented it tends to score a bit lower so anything i think around a six for a kid's game is usually quite a good game i think is a is a it's not always the perfect way of looking at it but it's a really simple game where you are trying to move your explorer along a track to get to the end of the track first to get a photograph of the Yeti. Right. The way that works is you play cards and whoever plays the highest card or whoever is in the lead then has to take this kind of danger track of there's a, a second deck of cards. So say you've played a I want to move five spaces card you then turn over five cards from this deck. If there's then a slip or fall action, your character then doesn't move for that round. So there's a bit of gambling and a bit of jeopardy to to how the you know you're going to progress. And every time someone slips and falls, that card is then removed from the the deck of am I going to make it cards? So as the game goes on, it gets easier to move long distances, or do you just gamble early on and think, right, I'm going to make a break for it. So for a game that plays in 15 minutes and is suitable for pretty much any age of child mm. and is a silly little family game, you know, I think, I think is, 
I think it's great. Really good game. Really enjoyed playing that. And I think it's one where if Elijah requests to play it, I wouldn't be afraid to say no. Yeah, looks cool. I haven't heard of this publisher before, the Ginger Fox games, um, but noticed they've done quite a few things that are quite interesting, including the Taskmaster board game. Yeah. So I think I think you know they're they're very good at these sort of small, quick family run games. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what else they've got. So that is this uh, episode's edition of On the Table. As always, we actually love to hear what you've been playing as well. And the best way to do that is to plug in with our Discord channel. Check the link in the description of this episode and you can be taken there. You can join. We've got a great community. There's chat every day over lots of different things, quite random stuff sometimes, and occasionally even board games. Um, (laughs) Please come, please get involved and uh, love to hear what you've been playing as well okay and finally to wrap up this last recording of 2023 for us we have our 2023 game of the year so this is not necessarily a game that came out in 2023 but for us that has been our game that we have enjoyed playing most this year so tom why don't you kick us off what is your 2023 game of the year this was a fairly easy decision um i've played so many good games this year i've looked and i'm not far short of, of playing at this point where we are in december now was the 14th i played uh not far short of 400 games this year wow uh, game not different games played games which is yeah. which is incredible still amazing. ever ever done and some things that i've played absolutely loads um and finding Rally the Troops this year, or not finding it, but but getting really engaged with it this year has been massively contributing to that. Um, but played some fantastic games. So Undaunted Battle of Britain, that was a real revelation for me this year. Just, just we already talked about it a lot, so I won't say too much more, but being able to to change that game up again to add something and something new and cool. Had some great games recently of My City as well. This is a new one for us, but on this this constant struggle I have of trying to... Oh, struggle. Mission. Let's call it a mission. To find a game that myself and my wife Jen can, can play together and both enjoy an equal amount. Um, and My City still seems to be doing this. It's it really, really clever, this. Right, and it's a very simple, relaxing... Um, you know, you can have a bit of a conversation while you're playing it, which is the type of game that Jen Jen likes. Um, is is great. I kind of six into into a twenty four chapter um, uh, campaign, if you if you will, of that, which is which is really good. Um, re- really set bet introduced this year. I think that is probably my number one um, large group game at the moment. I'm looking forward to getting that to the table at Christmas. Um, really fun. You know. I've always liked a game that does something like that, and that's my current favourite of that type uh, of horse racing and, and placing bets. Turing Machine, just really clever. You know, I'm not sure it's my favourite game ever, but but really smart what's been done with that and enjoyed that. Fire in the Lake, obviously. Do you know what I've realised? We've only played Brass about three times this year combined. Brass, Birmingham, and Lancashire. But our our game of Brass, Lancashire, and, and actually that, for me, being a little bit better than Birmingham, was fantastic distilled is another one um that i've absolutely loved i think that's possibly my favorite um new non-historical war game game that i've played this year yeah so so good that uh neil's kind of lent it uh to me to uh play that with my family over christmas i think the night cage is a game i've mentioned this year as well one that our, our mate dave introduced us to just just I do love a game that introduces something new or has a clever way of doing something. And this is the, the way in which it simulates being in that uh, dungeon, if you will, and trying to escape as you the candle, uh, sorry, and having a candle is the only way to find your, your way out. And so only being able to see the stuff immediately around you. So the map basically disappears. And when I saw this on a preview years ago now, I thought, well, how the hell does that work? But actually, it's genius what the way, it's, way in which it's been done. And, and her genuinely, as I've already mentioned as well, but when it came to kind of thinking about my game of the year, it was really down to just two. The one that's kind of just been edged out for me is Time of Crisis. This is a game that we've only played through Rally of the Troops, but I have managed to get a copy of it now. Um, and it's just a perfect introductory historical war game 
for me romans which is always interesting um and you've got you know this map of the roman empire basically and it's the point at which it's uh it's all starting to to come crashing down and you have basically rival factions in the roman empire that are competing for it <clears throat> and it's got elements in there i think that just would appeal to a lot of different people who are not so interested in in perhaps an out and out historical um war game that have you know bits of deck building in there and so on which uh which i think is a sort of some that does appeal to me because i think well actually it might be able to get to this to the table is a historical war game that actually is kind of pretending not to be so that nearly there absolutely brilliant new one um to do this year but i kind of called it all the way back in january february i think but the game that i have loved the most this year and got so much out of and been really excited that we've started to to play uh, a campaign you and I just recently as Undaunted Stalingrad. I think Osprey Games and uh, David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin have just produced something absolutely brilliant. Just, just wonderful what they've done in, in putting this together. The I, I've said it previously, I believe that this is the sort of game I've been looking for for years and years and years, even kind of into playing computer games video games as well something that gives you that uh kind of squad based combat set in world war ii that has a campaign element that goes over uh, uh you, know, you know multiple missions and what you do on mission a impacts b c d d etc just so 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 good this um and uh, you know maybe it's a bit of a commitment but i would play it again and again and again this uh, absolutely brilliant undaunted stalingrad well, I have to say, as you were building up through your <clears throat> list of honourable mentions, I was thinking, if he doesn't pick Undaunted Stalingrad. <laughs> now, I should say, quite often when we're, we're talking about games on the podcast, we obviously share those with one another before the recording, but we've deliberately not shared these with each other. So it is a surprise. But I was thinking, if you don't pick this, then... <laughs> Something's happened. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening back through the edits in the episodes, Every time you get a chance, you, you're saying how brilliant it is. So uh, it, it would have taken a lot to beat this game for you. <laughs> As someone that's only played a couple of missions of it, and I know we only spoke about this a few minutes ago on the recording, so I won't carry on too long. I completely get it. I, you know, I definitely need to play more. Um, yeah, I, I fully understand what a, you know, what a wonderful game this is. It's so, so well balanced, so well presented. And as you say, that combination of Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson, anything from Osprey Games, you know, it just works so well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's great. You can just, you can always rely on them to do something that looks fantastic and um, and plays, play, plays so well. Yeah, great. How about you? What's your game of the year? So I've kind of broken it down. I do have my one game of the year that I'll get on to. I was just going to do an honourable mention, but after your list, I feel <laughs> empowered now to... Good, so I'm glad my monologues have done some good for once. To to carry on. Yeah, well, you, after I've spoken for the next 25 minutes, you might not be feeling the same. <laughs> so I would say I'd like to break it down into kind of the kids category, the digital yep. category, and then yep. my ultimate game. Yep, smart. So from the kids category... I mean, this is a really old game, and I've spoken about it loads, but Dancing Eggs has brought so much joy and laughter to <laughs> adults and kids alike. <laughs> and after having it for all of this time, I finally introduced my mum to it uh, only last week. Right. Uh, she she thought it was brilliant, especially as uh, there was this wonderful part where Kyra ended up with about four eggs under her chin. And it was just just so much fun. It It brings a lot of natural laughter to the table, so... So, yeah. Excellent. Um, Zombie Kids Evolution, which if you want to introduce your children to kind of those legacy games, but plays quite quickly, that is brilliant. Um, And then I think my number one for the kids in the kids category is, again, that great combo of David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin and his Orclympics. Ah, I wondered, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was that game I picked up for like six quid at uh, at the expo at and and you know all our family absolutely love playing that it's a it's a real winner i was potentially tempted to put bang the dice game in there because we play that a lot the family love it but 
I was trying to think of games that I've been introduced to this year. So that's kind of why uh, why I've left that out. Yeah. In terms of digital, all of the Block War games we've been playing have been brilliant. But I'm with you, Time of Crisis. Good, when we it? played it the first time, I, I just didn't get it. I was like, well, why is this a good game? I, I, like, I'm not going anywhere. All these barbarians keep invading me, and I don't know why. <laughs> and it's, it's really confusing, and everyone needs to leave me alone because I want to build up my Senate. But, yeah, I've I've really got on. So as a digital game, that would top it for me. Mm. And then in terms of new-to-me kind of board games for this year, Star Wars Deck Builder. spoke yeah. about that earlier this episode. You know, I, I picked it up after the expo, and it was one of these, when I went to the expo, I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll do a bit of wandering around and shopping, and on the last day I'll pick up the games I want. By that time, it completely sold out from all of the stalls. It wasn't to be found anywhere. And I was like, no. And I managed to get a copy about a month later from Chaos Cards. And I'm I'm so glad I've got that. I've really enjoyed playing that. Yeah, great pick. I, I think um, Wayfarers of the South Tigris, mm-hmm. which was the Garfield games uh, where you're charting the stars in Baghdad. That was brilliant. And I've had only one sort of game with, it was the three of us we played it. And I found found it really enjoyable um, and have subsequently played quite a few solo plays of this. So which I've I've thoroughly enjoyed solo playing this game. Uh, and I think it brings a lot. The artwork is brilliant. The iconography is fun. Once you know the iconography, the game's simple, but there's yeah. such a lot of strategy in there. So so that's absolutely fantastic. And and I think it brings me on to from the same Shem Phillips and Garfield games is the legacy of you. Ah, oh, I was really struggling to think what was going to be your number one, oh, but yeah, amazing. I've absolutely loved that game. Just yeah. a solo only game. Yeah, you have. I've still not played through because I mean it's interesting. You look on the forums, and some people are like, "Oh, it's far too easy," and other people are like, "Oh, it's far too hard." <laughs> whereas i'm definitely sitting right in the middle it's, it's definitely not too easy it's definitely not too hard i've i've played it nine times now with five wins and four losses um so i'm I'm kind of balanced it's got a nice bit of story but it's not over over encompassing you know it's just just balanced balanced very well and the strategy and the the gameplay level in there is is fantastic. I think Neil's desperate to borrow it. So when I finally finish it, and hopefully over Christmas, I will hopefully not fail and uh, get all my canals built. Um, but you know, I'll be sending it down to him. And I, th- I think you should have a go. It's it's yeah. really really clever. Um, I've never played anything like it, and I think that's why it's kind of piqued my interest. It's it's just a good little strategy. You know, get your brain thinking puzzle. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we've spoken about it so much, I think particularly this year about solo gaming and, and why it's fun and why we like it. And so, you know, what a perfect game to pick for your, your game of the year. It's uh, actually a single-player game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did I did think, is that a, a poor reflection on my social skills that my favourite game <laughs> is one that no one else can play? Because at least with, um, at least with Wayfarers, you can play that with you know with other people and yourself but no this is just you know yourself. Yeah. also scholars of the uh south tigris has uh has appeared on my doorstep this week so i'll be keen to get that unboxed um yeah 2024 game of the year 2024 game of the year yeah so i better not play it before christmas so it can make <laughs> uh, 2024 game yeah they are the games we've absolutely loved playing um I don't really think there's any more to be said apart from to reiterate, if you keep track of us on the socials on Instagram and Twitter, we're posting most days with what we've been up to, what we've been playing. So see if you can track through our highlights for the next year and see if you can predict what we're going to have as our game of the year for 2024. So that's it. That's it for us for this year. No more podcast recording for us, but as, as I say, Tom has been a busy little beaver in the background. He's been going through all of the episodes this year. He's been putting together a nice little compilation of some of the highlights of our best bits or least worst bits, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) 
this is what happens when you go it's not fully scripted i don't know if you can tell through our level of professionalism but i try and write down what i'm going to say at the start and end of episode dear listener and uh if i try and uh wing it and uh, go off piste as you can tell these outros get longer and longer so in the end we might just have to cut it abruptly and say see you in 2024 see ya I'm having my one!